Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Hope you're all doing well. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Cole Midnight sitting at 1 a.m. Carmody today for your podcasting pleasure. This this other job thing for Gilbert is not working out. We gotta we gotta get him fired. That's it. We're gonna get him fired. How about just get his work schedule changed? Seems easier, or we could adapt to him. Nah, <laughs> nah. Now, in fact, uh, are we going to go there to lunch? Are we going to go down to that place that doesn't sponsor this podcast? It's named after a former K State football player. I would be good with that. Okay, go down there. I don't know. Or we could just go to one of our sponsors, like go to, Tanner's. Go to the fridge and eat lunch. Uh, yeah, we'll take a bottle of wine and some. Uh, what do you got here? You got some candy bars and some limes, lemons and limes. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to look on the tweeter machine. Here we go. New in at the fridge. How's this? Oh, my gosh. I don't know if this sounds awesome or awful. Shinerbach peach wheat. I don't know. I I'm, I like Shiner. I like peach. I'm from Kansas. I like wheat. I might have to try it. This one on the hand from, on the other hand, from Stone Brewing Company, Liquid Poem, double IPA. <clears throat> I don't need double IPA. I'm opposed to single IPA. God, the air is loud. The air just kicked yeah. on. <clears throat> oh, boy. Our segment sponsors, as Zach teased a second ago, are Tanner's and the High Low. We might go have to go eat the Tanner's. Maybe we'll just go say hi to Gil's at his other place. Moon him. Or how about this? We, we pretend like we're buying drugs from him to get him fired. That could work. I, I'll, I'll brush up on my drug purchasing lingo during the break. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's your questions from Wabash Station, and here we go. Cole Midnight Carmody. First question from TN Cat. With Coach Hughes' suspension, can he watch the game from the stands? I would I, think so. I don't think so. Hmm. I think he has to be hidden away. I'm pretty sure he was in his office. Sure. At Toynton. Sure. Like, can he watch the game from a suite? I don't think he can. I really don't. I, don't I think, think he's in the club. I, I think he has to be in the clubhouse. I think he wants to be in the clubhouse so he can be in constant. Yeah. Actually run the team from there. Mm-hmm. Oh, is he allowed to be in the clubhouse then? I feel like that's too close, I guess, is what I well, think. Well, he just you know? can't be in the dugout or on the field. So I think he's probably just down at the end of the tunnel saying, let's pinch hit this person, bring yeah. this person in. Yeah. He's cheating is what he's doing. That's what we're trying to say. He's breaking the rules. He's unruly bumping umpires. Probably went out with a baseball bat and trashed the guy's car. That poor rental. Probably just made all that up. I was going to ask, what do you guys think about the suspension? Because in my column, I I kind of laid out how I feel. And and I really don't think that four games is – I said the the punishment doesn't fit the crime. I just feel like four games – It fits the crime if it's an intentional – like aggressive bump, not accidentally brushing up against someone because maybe they close space on you unexpectedly. That seems cowardly, but we haven't seen the video of it. You know, it basically, I guess my message to coach Hughes was dude, get your money's worth. I mean, if you're going to get four games for barely touching the guy, maybe get a good belly bump in there. Sparky <laughs> Anderson, his ass. Just get just get up in there. Billy Martin him. Kick him in the shin if it's four games. Man, it was 
I agree. It's I agree that the rules too strict. There's not enough, you know, room in there to define between a violent bumping and an accidental bumping. Thank you, Darla. And four games in the context of a college baseball season is very significant. I mean, that's really a lot of games. Uh, I understand that you'd probably want them to be done for that series with that crew. I get that. But, yeah, I thought it was a little bit much. But that's the rule, man. That's the rule. You can't touch the blue. What do you say about that, Zach, you former blue person? Yeah, I don't want to be touched. Well, I'd, I'd kick you out if you touched me. I don't care if you get suspended because right I'm not in charge of that. But I'd, I'd kick you out. Oh, yeah, I don't blame him for if there was any contact running him. But probably after the game, when you know you're the ump, you probably cool down and say, "Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't anything." Wasn't that nah, bad. I'd be be like, "Yeah, I dumped him." Well, I'd be all about it. I guess what happened was, as soon as contact was made, the first thing the umpire did was yell, "Contact! Contact! Contact!" So he keeps like a note. I guess when contact with a coach is made as an umpire, you're supposed to say that, so that initiates an automatic ejection. And an automatic suspension. But my thing is, how often do we see college football coaches just absolutely get belligerent on the sideline and start cussing and going after these officials? Not only do they not get suspended, but they don't get tossed. And half the time, they don't even get a penalty. They don't touch the official, though. Sure they do. Once in a while, they will. Maybe they they might get held back. If they touch an official, they're getting a penalty for it. I would agree. I mean, they should. But they're not getting ejected and right. Nobody suspended. gets ejected from a football game. But that's as far as a coach goes. Why? I mean, that's that's just the part it's of it. It's a right? valid point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think the whole situation is it's it's unfortunate just because of. I think K State had a very good opportunity, and you know, good for them. They took the most of it and and took two or three from a really good TCU team. So, you know, how much did his ejection and his suspension really affect this past weekend's game? I don't know. But I'd I, say I'd say it paid off. I think it did. Yeah, I, I'm oh, just yeah. I'm hoping that it doesn't come back around to bite them in the butt this week when they have the tournament. Well, they got to win one for Pete Hughes to see the field again this season. Double elimination if they lose two. At least his suspension will be over for next year. It won't carry over. Very true. Hey, and we should be honest here. Uh, we'll just lay it out there. Uh, Ryan Gilbert made contact with me. He brushed up against my belly. Now, granted, we were across the room from each other. It's really not his fault. My belly extends quite a ways. But he is on a multi-podcast suspension right now. <laughs> in, in the grand scheme of things, that's a lot. I know. I know. We don't do that many this time of year. So when you get dinged multiple times... Yeah, we're going to say he's at his job. No, he's at home crying. That's what he is. He's, he's crying right now. Next question from PurpleCat271. Does anyone know why there is a playing game between KU and West Virginia in the Big 12 baseball tournament? KU should be sitting at home if this was a normal year. Changing the rules again is another reason why the Big 12 is a joke of a conference. I disagree with that last sentence. They're not a joke. It's a joke that you could be... You know, one game back from eighth place and be sitting at home. You know, yeah. there should be a play-in game. There absolutely, you should the full conference. There should not be one team not playing in the postseason. Yeah, even if it's just weird. one game. This was a change a for COVID. It's this fine. was just change yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah. This was this was uh, you know totally not related to the pandemic. They were going to bring everyone in. It it never made sense to me that one team got left out of the postseason tournament just bring them down i like it i mean if you're eight or nine i mean i guess i could understand if you're if ninth place is oh and 20 something and and eighth place is six and something i'd be a little peeved that i have to beat them to get in but yeah i mean should have been better than eighth if you didn't want to play the 19th ninth place team you know well there's something to be said be seventh I mean, baseball is completely well, I'd be different. Available. Baseball is completely different than you know we think of the Big Twelve tournament with basketball, but baseball is completely different. I mean, K State has a legitimate chance to go on a run this week solely based upon their pitching. You can't say that about the seventh place team in the Big Twelve in basketball. You wouldn't think that they would have a legitimate chance to win the Big Twelve tournament in basketball, but I don't think K State has a legitimate chance to win it in baseball, but I think they have a chance to at least win one or two games because of their pitching. So yeah, I, I do think that having everybody in the conference just makes too much sense. And 
I, I don't really understand why you wouldn't want that, I guess, is my yeah. answer to that. It's a dumb tradition to leave two teams out. And it always was when there was ten, 10 teams in the conference. They should have had a playing game. They should have been playing in, you know, the day before the main tournament and let people in. Or give the top two teams buys. Like, there's no excuse to not have everybody at least participate somehow. And I also believe <clears throat> that everyone should offer baseball. In this conference, mm-hmm. there should be a bottom line as a member of the Big 12. You should have volleyball. Oklahoma State doesn't. Mm-hmm. You should have softball. Kansas State doesn't. You should have baseball, football, both basketballs, and, and of course, lacrosse. Okay. They'd, all, they'd all have to add that, maybe, I think. Maybe not, maybe not <laughs> lacrosse. But, but yeah, I, I think there should be a basic list of sports that as a Power 5 institution, you should be offering. It makes no sense that Iowa State doesn't have baseball. It makes well, no sense. Uh, you know, they dropped it to save money, and plus, you know, we have problems here with games getting in, and it's you know worse up in the tundra of central Iowa. It really, I mean, it's amazing how much colder it gets up there. But Nebraska plays. Yeah, I mean, they won their conference this year. Creighton's always been pretty good in baseball. I mean, yeah, yeah. play if man, Nebraska. Play. If Nebraska can do it, there's no reason a school in Iowa can't. Because Iowa has baseball, right? Yep. For sure. The Hawkeyes yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, I I saw a buddy that, an Iowa State fan, that said, you know, they need to add this back. They need to do this and that. And he, there's a movement at Iowa State to change their colors. Because originally their colors were black and silver, which I thought was interesting. And then they added maroon and then gold came along. But, yeah, everyone in the conference should be offering this basic – you might even want – Put women's soccer in there now. Mm-hmm. I mean, now now that K State added it, everybody's well. Then good you to might go. as well put men's soccer yeah. in there too. Well, Here nobody. We else, West Virginia is the only team that plays men's soccer. Men's soccer is it an NCAA sport. That's an NCAA sport. Yeah. It's not a Big Twelve sport. No, they that's just weird that more schools don't have it. Yeah, it is weird. It's a Title Nine thing, and once you add that, then you got to add in another sport. But uh, yeah, I would I th- think I would think it'd be more popular than mm-hmm. it is. I would like to see it added, but at the same time, the way that professional and youth yeah. development yeah. of soccer goes in the country it's just it's a whole different animal compared to your other sports yeah. the, you the level of play for men's soccer would not be as good as it is for women's soccer just because if people are if you're any good in men's soccer then you're going to I a, mean, a training think, academy right out of high school like or you're or in, in high you're school, in yeah. high school going to school and you're playing games on the weekend yeah you know and you're 17 or 18 you know i mean i would liken it to adding men's soccer is Kind of similar to baseball, but on a much greater scale, I guess. You could, yes, you can get drafted out of college in soccer and in baseball, but the best players are getting drafted straight out of high school or joining development academies in high school in the case of soccer. I was the same way, but with the game Risk, I was, I was really talented. Anyhow, that's just an aside. Limestone Silo asks, what would be more beneficial in the long term for the baseball program? Having the fringe draft hopefuls go much higher than projected, say top 10 to 12 rounds, which will look good for recruiting or to have them picked way down the draft after round 25 to 30, which will push them to return for another year. Thinking about guys like Zach Kakoska and Dylan Phillips, obviously Wicks is his own story. That's a really good question, actually. Yeah. You know, and I'll I'll be blunt here. I don't think I have a good enough grasp on college bat, baseball to define that. What what would be better for recruiting that I can go to Kansas State and be a top in ten round pick? Is I don't know. I I don't know how to define that. I think it's tough because re, you, re, you're right. I mean, I think ideally you would want to say a combination of both, right? I mean, ideally Zach Acosta gets picked in the tenth round and says, oh. If I come back to K-State, I know I can get better under this coaching staff mm-hmm. and come back and even go higher the next year. I mean, that would be the most ideal thing, right? I think it's about where kids get drafted when they come out of high school, if they get drafted out of high school, and then if they decide to come to K-State, and then the first time they're draft eligible, if they get drafted, it's like it's about the progression. I think if you're a recruit, you got to look like you got to see, okay, well, if I was drafted in the 41st round coming out of high school, if I go to school here at K-State, and there was somebody along the same lines of me that got drafted 
you know, in, in around that time period in high school. Then they went to K-State, came out, and, and they were a sixth-round draft pick. Well, I think I can do that too. I think that's that would be the most beneficial thing. But as far as this question goes, for this year, I personally think having them come back mm-hmm. would probably be the, the correct answer just because, I mean, losing those guys would hurt the team next year. If they lose those guys, they're going to have to rebuild again. Yeah, I mean, that's just the bottom line. Yep. I I think in the short term for Kansas State, getting those veteran players back is essential. And eventually, I guess the goal would be to get guys that don't climb to the 10th round but are viewed that way, mm-hmm. that that know that if they come to college, they can get there. So I, uh, the, this as Pete Hughes just said on a press conference we, we just were on leading up to the game Wednesday, um, they need some street cred. That was exactly what he said because they're not being viewed as a bubble team for the tournament right now. And Oklahoma, which finished below them in the conference, is viewed as a bubble team. And, uh, you know, like he said, we just don't have the street cred yet. So they need some more winning to get them to where they need to be. Limestone Silo again asks, would you rather K-State field teams made up of only in-state players that would be limited on high-end talent but would cert- what would contain a full roster of very dedicated tryhards willing to commit long-term and bleed for the program or teams made up of only out-of-state higher-ranked recruits that would definitely have a higher ceiling but also bring greater usage of the transfer portal and less buy-in to the health of the program. I think he's talking football now. I yes. should have made that clear. Yeah, I We're transitioning from too. baseball to football yeah. a little bit. Um, I don't care. I mean, I think you need to have it woven together. You need to both. You need the the local guys to kind of uh, form the the family, the kind of the binding agents there for the locker room, and then the out of state guys. I mean, that's not to say in, in the state of Kansas you can't can't get high level guys, but you can't get enough of them. So you're going to have to do both. Now, I, you know, we were just talking about football, but in other sports, I think you actually get in trouble with with selected sports when you over recruit overseas you get too many overseas people that uh, that kind of bothers me that you're now we're just flat out trying to compete you know not a player here a player there it's like half the roster is overseas I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, no, okay i get it tracks that way certainly tennis is big time that way but uh you know I guess if there was a a bunch of guys from France that could help your football team, you'd probably take them. Yeah. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Mbappe, would he come? Play, put on some pads? I don't know. You have no clue what I, I just said. I don't, uh, did you just belch? Mbappe? No. It's a player. Mbappe. I think, I mean, K-State really has had a tradition of having in-state players. And it's worked out pretty good for him traditionally in the past. But, I mean, now with the way college football is going – you're right. You have to have a combination of both. But, I mean, I think what Chris Kleiman and the staff are trying to do is trying to get a majority of Kansas players. I mean, this question is not exactly very realistic because obviously you're going to have in-state and out-of-state guys. But if we want to take this to a more you know, realistic front, would you rather have a majority of your players be out-of-state or a majority of your players be in-state? And personally for me, I want to have a majority of the guys as in-state guys just because you have seen them longer. You've seen them develop. You get a a feel for them through their high school coaches. And if you can win the state of Kansas, if you can win the Kansas City area, I just think you have a really good chance at winning games in the Big 12. Well, we've seen what Kansas ignored in-state kids and went out of state, and they would got higher recruited classes in Kansas State. Didn't translate to anything tangible, so... I see that. And you, you look over the course of K-State football, you know, sure, you've got the Michael Bishops from Texas, but you start listing off the guys. I mean, Mark Seminole, Kansas, Darren Sproles, Kansas, Terrence Newman, Kansas. I mean, you can go on and on and on. The number of kids, Jordy Nelson, the number of Kansas guys that have flourished at a high level for this program and moved on to other other, other levels to NFL it's amazing, and you need to just continue that process. But those are generational type guys, you know, once on a roster for four years type guys, and it just kind of turns through. There's not year in, year out. You know, you need 11 players on each side of the ball to fill oh, a football yeah. team. Yeah, you got you got to weave you it know? together. You got to do Who's both. Been, who, okay, but, if, I agree with you on a point, Zach, but who has been the best quarterback at K-State in the last five years? Skylar Thompson. 
Okay, so he's from Kansas City. Right. He's from Missouri, but I mean, yeah, I mean, how <laughs> the best running back in the last five years, Alex Barnes, Deuce Vaughn. I'll give it to Deuce Vaughn, Texas. Yeah. So, but you can make an argument, Alex. Yeah, Kansas kid. So right. I, I think there's something to be said for. I mean, Wyatt Hubert's to be a kid. Yeah. Uh, um. You know, I mean, you can go. Through yeah, the you can go through the list. You, you've got to have those guys, but right? To really succeed, you got to get the out of state. I agree. But if yeah. if I if I was going to answer the question straight up, I'd rather take the forty nine states than take the one state yes. in Kansas. I mean, it's just right. basic math. Yeah, I, I get that it's not going to work. I get that it's really an impossible question, but your talent and being able to focus, you know, think about Jaron Kanick, who has all these offers and, you know, and he's an in-state kid, you know, he can go anywhere now at this point, basically. It doesn't, you know, K-State's kind of on the outside looking in at this point. And that's, and that, that's a big credit to Jaron Kanick for being such a good player that all these big programs are, you know, are offering him and want them, want him to come to their program. But you know, K-State isn't always going to win those. And now you have to, if you're focusing only on in-state, that means you have to go get that kid, you know, and you're competing against everybody else. Next question comes from Dr. J54. Is the whole concept of a conference that stays the same for years at a time likely to fall apart? And if so, what replaces it? Well, I think it has fallen apart. I mean, the SEC even expanded. You know, the SEC was like a, tight-knit grouping, and all of a sudden you invite in Missouri. If you're running in Missouri, you're inviting in anyone. It's a shot at Missouri, by the way. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of gone. And by the way, Dr. J has seen Ryan Gilbert at work, but yes. we haven't. Mm. 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 What great friends we are. Um, yeah, this next round of you know TV rights and possible realignment is going to be fascinating. Does it set off another wholesale you know, there's a lot of talk on the board. You know, people didn't understand why Pac-12 schools would want to come to the Big 12 because the Pac-12's absolute utter chaos. It's a train wreck. I mean, their their money is way behind everyone else. And if you're Arizona and Arizona State and you're looking around and and looking at the amount of travel you have to do to get to Pac-12 North schools, you might as well be in the Big 12. Outside of West Virginia, I mean, everything would be closer almost. So I, I, I know that the Big 12 won't try to do anything because the Big 12 sucks. The Big 12 stinks at these things. The Big 12 needs to get out and be aggressive and, and try to get to the forefront of these things. But I say that without fully grasping what the next step of TV rights is going to look like. I think we're heading towards streaming, but what does that mean financially? Because that's really all these schools care about is the buck. You know, and if I'm a Pac-12 school, I'm a little bit leery of someone trying to sell me on this great new fancy way of doing things because that's what Larry Scott did with them, and it was a bunch of baloney, and they, they suffered for it. So, I mean, I hope that this conference can branch out. I mean, I think there's, in a streaming environment, there's something to be said. If you have a conference that touches three different time zones or four different time zones, you can fill any time slot a network needs. I mean, right now, if you're the Pac-12, you basically are the late games. I mean, that's all you can do. But if you're a Big 12 with some teams in the Pacific or Mountain times and a few teams maybe in the Eastern time zone and everyone else in the Midwest – you can have early games and you can have Big 12 after dark every week. Can you imagine the value of that contract to any entity, whether it's streaming or anything? Oh, you mean you can provide me content from 11 a.m. on a Saturday till a 9 p.m. kickoff? Really? Let's do it. I mean, I just think there's value in it. We'll see how it all plays out. But I'm afraid that the Big 12 will be caught standing still again when someone makes a move. They're coming after Oklahoma and Texas, which... I'm not worried about them leaving because after what we've seen, if Oklahoma and Texas want to leave and go to the Big Ten or the SEC, good. How's that worked out for some of these schools? Now, financially, yeah, okay. Nebraska's saying, well, we don't want to leave because the finances. Well, your football team stinks. Texas A&M's an afterthought in the SEC and would be a contender in the Big 12. I mean, isn't there something more valuable than just you made an extra $5 million a year. What would it mean to your school if you were in the damn playoff? Because you won the Big 12 and you got in. 
No, I I just think there's there's a lot to be done here if the Big 12 wants to be aggressive, but they won't be. That's just not in the nature of this this Midwestern conference. Hey, y'all, let's just all get along. Oh, you just stole my girlfriend. I mean, that's that's what happened last time. And it's going to maybe happen again. If I'm West Virginia, I'm looking. I mean, if the ACC wants to expand, I'm getting in there. That's where they want to be, and I understand it. I wouldn't have any problem with it. But everyone else, I mean, come on, man. Let's let's go get some other schools. And as much as I, I'm okay with Cincinnati and okay with Central Florida, no. Let's let's look at Arizona, Arizona State. Can you imagine telling USC, hey, by the way, you can have your own third-tier rights. You can set up your own third-tier situation. You can have the Trojan Network, which sounds really bad. <laughs> USC might be really interested in something like that. Now, I don't think UCLA would go anywhere, but it's okay. Take Utah. Screw Colorado, by the way. Screw them. I think the conference format we've seen will probably stay the same for the most part. Yeah. You know, I, I think that you might see some trades between some conferences where people are like, hey, let's go check out, you know, See if the grass is greener on the other side here. Or maybe, you know, it's West Virginia. Let's go fit better into the ACC or something like that. You know, maybe maybe the Arizona schools come to the Big 12. Who knows? But I think generally you'll see the same conference structure. But if I had to think of something new, and we talked about it a month ago, probably be some sort of super league. You know, mm-hmm. Texas OU, they leave. Ohio State, Michigan, they leave the Big 10. Alabama, Florida, Clemson. Uh, who else deserves to be in this super league? USC, Stanford, or UCLA? Um, you know, yeah, I agree. Oregon, I, you know, it's a disaster yeah. for those schools. You to know, do it. the the problem, and the I brought it up when we talked about the super league, and it would be a problem again if you do this super league where you think you get all this money. Somebody has to be the bad team. Yep, someone's going to be. Somebody is going to be the Nebraska. Yep. Of the of the league, that's just gonna. They used to be a this cool power, and they just couldn't keep up in this league because, just like you know, soccer, there's no draft, everything you have to go source your own players. You know, there's no fairness or parity. You know, when you build a dynasty, you're gonna be a dynasty, and there's not gonna be much to do to break it up. I mean, if if they have a meeting about a super league, even if it's like an upper tier power five type thing. Where we're only going to play within our division, you know, a super division of college football. Someone needs to say, look around the room right now. Who's prepared to be the losing team in this room? I mean, because half of us, by math, will be losing and the other half will be winning. On average, half of us will be at 500 or above and half of us will be 500 or below. That's how it works. That's a lot to risk. That it gets back to my point. Maybe the TV contract is bigger, but is it in Nebraska's best interests to be this mediocre in football? Is it in their best interests to be average and get paid $5 million, $10 million extra a year to be average? I don't think it is. I don't think it's good for your institution, and I don't think it's good for your fan base. Now, the other side of that is if Kansas State got re- regula- regulated, relegated, whew, screw that up, relegated to the Mountain West because they get left out the next round, K-State could kick ass in the Mountain West, but is that the same? It's not. I mean, you got to be at a high level, but you don't want to put yourself so far up there, you put yourself in a bad position. But then again, you don't want to be the non-power five. So there's there's a fine balance here. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Because if you recall with the last round of uh, of realignment, it was chaotic. I mean, there's backdoor deals. Oklahoma and Texas were gone. They were going to the Pac-12. And I'm not sure at the end of the day what it was that they pulled the plug on, but they did a smart thing because the Pac-12 is trash. It's trash. There's no... There's no importance to sports out there. That's what I keep coming back to. There isn't Arizona, Arizona State, and USC. Culturally, it's important. And Oregon football is important. Maybe Oregon has some other sports, but it's just so far up there. Stanford, Cal. I mean, it's not important to these schools culturally. I would say Washington cares about Washington probably cares. But again, if you start looking at a map, you don't want anyone from the back to Old North. You just don't. They're just too far away. 
West Virginia is a lot closer. I mean, it's just crazy yeah. how far away they are. So, yeah, I think you you got to go turn your attention to the Pac-12 South and peel off two to four schools. Uh, I'm a advocate of a 16-team conference. If you do it right, the worst number, as I've said over and over, is 14, and that's what conference is stopped on. It's an unmanageable number. You can only do two divisions of seven. You, your scheduling's a mess. The SEC, you've got traditional rivalries that are now cross-division, and you don't see them forever, for seven years or something. It's ridiculous. When you can make a 16-team conference that sees everyone every three or four years. So that's what I think these conferences might go, we got to get off 14. we got to get yeah. off 14. But is there extra money in the budget from the TV entities to reward you for adding two? That's been the big the Big 12's advantages at 10, their contract's smaller, but the pie is only cut up into 10 slices. Hey, you definitely. Oh, no, sorry. I, I thought you were say, asking the next question. Sorry. No, I was going to say, Fitz, you, uh, you definitely got to fire it up out of that. Yeah, I think so. And the last question of the first half of the podcast comes from Go Upert Cat. Why has the Pac-12 hiring of George Kilikoff made me so nervous about the future of the Big 12? And should this out-of-the-box hire hasten the replacement of Bob Bowlesby? Given that Bowlesby's current contract expires at the same time as at same time the Big 12 GOR ends in 2025, would it make more sense to bring in a more forward-thinking commissioner sooner rather than later? I'm afraid waiting until 2025 will be too late. GOR being grant of rights. Uh, you've nailed it. Bob Bowlesby's the peacetime. He's commissioner. a peacetime commissioner, and it's, we're about to enter wartime. And and I think the Pac-12 tried to find their Churchill because the previous guy. I just ran out of World War II comparisons. What was the guy from Britain that screwed everything up? Larry Scott. No, okay, that's fine. I feel like I should have <laughs> known that. About everybody, that's fine. The guy that appeased the Germans, uh, Larry, Larry Scott. This is what I find fascinating about it is. They hired another out-of-the-box thinker to replace an out-of-the-box thinker. Because Larry Scott was from outside and did all this different stuff. What I find just unimaginable about how Larry Scott did things, that the presidents and the chancellors let him get away with keeping so much money for the conference. Their staff was so overpaid, and they had fancy downtown San Francisco offices. It was just so irresponsible financially what they allowed him to do instead of saying, no, man, you're not going to have a fancy San Francisco office that's some outrageous price. I mean, they were paying like 100 k a month in rent or something. It was just crazy. Why? The Big 12, I can't even tell you where the Big 12 office is. It's somewhere in Dallas. Las Colinas, I think. Yeah, you're right. It's up in Las Colinas. But it's not, I mean, it's not like visible. There's no why? You don't it's need like it. an office park. Right. Right. That's Neville exactly. Chamberlain, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Larry Scott. Larry Scott. <laughs> and I, so I don't know what this new hire is going to do. Me, me maybe. Uh, I mean, obviously, it seems like they're making a play for the the gambling somehow tied in. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hiring someone out of the casino world was an interesting move. It... it it also is kind of like what K-State's facing now. You need to hire a new president, but if you go too far in one direction, you're not going to appease the academic side. And if you go too far in that way, you're going to run into problems with the simple reality that this is a business, which I know the academic side doesn't want to talk about that. But a university really is a business, particularly the way the funds are coming from the state right now, which is hardly anything. So... You've got to kind of walk that line. And I don't know if the Pac-12 nailed it. I've never seen the guy. I don't know the guy. Maybe he's a guy that people just gravitate to. I mean, I guess if if I was hiring someone, I wouldn't hesitate to hire someone from outside the industry. I really wouldn't. To bring this full around, Big 12 needs to look at a new commissioner. I like Bob Bowlesby. He's a super nice guy. But the world's about to change dramatically. And I don't know who it is that you put in that position that would have that kind of knowledge. But maybe I'd want to hire someone from the TV streaming side of things. I don't know. A lot, a lot of moving parts here. It's, it's very interesting. At the end of the day, though, who makes those hires? 
Well, typically they're academic people that are going to hire someone that they're comfortable with and not outside their realm of understanding. And then you get into trouble. I, I think the Pac-12, I admire them for having the balls to go back to the well again and try to do something different. Because the first time, that was a disaster. Uh, that guy was a clown. What was Larry Scott before he was? Where, where did he come from? Uh, anyway, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's a he's <laughs> pyramid a, scheme. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a salesman that. Uh, and there's a lot of that out there. I mean, they talk a good game, but then when it really came down to it, he was like, "Oh, I can have this salary. Oh, I can have a fancy office. Oh, I can fly private." He was flying private everywhere. What the hell is wrong with that guy? And why did they let him get away with it? I wish I could get a job like that. Neville Chamberlain was born in Edvaston, Birmingham, England. Thank you. I don't know what that <laughs> What I, does that have to do I'm with anything, sure with, Cole? Good, good drop. Larry Scott is <laughs> Neville Chamberlain. You asked where Larry Scott came from, so uh, he came from Birmingham, England. Oh, okay. That's, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm not sure what the Pac-12 is going to do with this. I, I'm not sure what their end goal was. I They're think not it, laying their cards out either. I think it's interesting. You know, he comes from MGM, right? Yeah, you know? Yes, yes. I just looked that up. Casino plus, I mean, not even just casino, just the entertainment industry. Right. They recognize that, hey, this is an entertainment thing that we're doing here. We're putting these games on TV. We're making money because people want to be entertained. And the academic side is just kind of a sideshow to the athletics. So I think it's interesting that he's not really directly with sports, but... With the way gambling is, you know, and the fact that this is entertainment, I don't think it's as bold as what people think it is. I think it's it's a decent move, I think. Okay, we better take a break. We're gone long. We're out of control. We'll be back after this short break on the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Make sure you stop into The Fridge whenever you are in town. I don't know when that'll be next for you, maybe next football season, but get into The Fridge. And, of course, support our segment sponsors, Tanners and the High Low. I think we're going to go support Tanners for lunch today. Mm, 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 mm. That's my endorsement. Here's your more of your questions. Or, as I say in America, here are more of your questions. <laughs> Cole, take over. El Camino Cat. It looks like we will have a new university president soon. What should be at the top of that person's to-do list? I am not a crook. Um, <laughs> that was good, by the way. Thank you. I'm always good with an action. I... I don't know. On their to-do list, they've got to get enrollment back up. Enrollment's skidding, and the pandemic made it worse. Um, you know, from 
a personal standpoint, give me a good plan for a Hearn Fieldhouse. I want to know what's going on there. But overall, they've got to get enrollment. They get, they got to get the trajectory of this university back upward because it's sliding. It's not viewed as the place to go right now. Um, and and that some of that goes beyond the university president. I, I think the city failed K-State in some ways. I think the way the city clamped down on fake Patty's Day, mm-hmm. and they seem to constantly be taking anti-student stance, that I think it's herd enrollment at K-State. Um, I think Kirk Schultz overall herd enrollment. And I'm going to say something controversial and weird because this will fire up the academic people. But I truly mean this. Kirk Schultz upped the academic standards at Kansas State. Now, that should be good, but I don't think it has been good for Kansas State. I hear more complaints about the workload of students now than ever before, and it's a weird stance to take, but I think we got away from the land grant, every man, every woman has a place here if you can get the work done. And I think it turned into a homework factory at some point. I don't know that the the degree is more valuable or the education's better. But I think the workload is. I don't know what the solution to that is. But I'm. they just have to make this a more inviting place. I think a lot of that has to do, too, with diversity. Um, you have got to find a way. I understand it's in the middle of Kansas, right? I mm-hmm. mean, K-State is in Kansas. But comparatively speaking, I mean, not just different people from, you know, not just black, white, Hispanic, Asian. I mean, people from overseas. I mean, there needs to be more of a um, foreign exchange students on campus. I mean, you go to KU and the foreign exchange student on campus, there's there's so many more at KU than there is at K-State. Well, and that gets into the business of academics, of, of getting – it's more profitable, guys, to get an out-of-state or out-of-nation student. But is it better for your institution? I mean, that's a big question that a president has to face. Is it better to go get a bunch of kids from, uh, I mean, in KU's realm, Chicago and California, mm-hmm. than it is from Overland Park and Wichita? More profitable, yes, but is it better for your institution or do those kids pack up and leave and go home and yeah i got a degree from there and that's all you know i I don't know it's it's interesting and i think the the recruitment of of foreign students is a real double-edged sword you need it financially you need it academically you you need it in some departments um but also it it kind of turns you into just a mill of students yeah people just passing through um and and I certainly have no problem with it, but it's it's just kind of odd to me that the number of you know I don't know I haven't been connected to campus like I was when I was in Aggieville, but the number of Chinese students that would park in Aggieville because we were right across from Tasty China House, which was authentic Chinese food. I mean, legitimate Chinese food. And Audis and BMWs. And, and I just find it all weird. Yeah. It's not a cultural thing at all. I don't understand why they're here and, you know, why they pick Kansas State. A lot of it's ag. But it's it's all an interesting balance. You've got to get enrollment up. But, boy, go and get a bunch of international students and out-of-state students to get your enrollment up. Is that really the mission of Kansas State University as a land-grant institution? I, think, I just think it's it's as much as diversity. and And maybe it's not as much of, you know— you know, out of country students, but uh, I mean, I'll be a hundred percent honest here, guys. When you know, I'm an education major, and there is not a single student of color that is going to be going into secondary social studies in my block classes. Which, I mean, I understand that you know the, the College of Education does not reflect the university as a whole, but to me, there is some reflection in that. I feel like education is a is a major that is a pretty popular one across the board as a whole. And I'm not saying that again that it's about getting students of color because that's not what di- just that's not just what diversity is. But I mean, K-State needs to play off of, hey, if you come to K-State, you're going to have the experiences from people from Kansas City and you're also going to have experiences from people from Western Kansas. I, I mean, there's no reason 
why this can't be just the melting pot of for in-state students and if you want to bring out-of-state students in. There's no better way to get a real-world experience than by mixing everybody. And I don't think at KU you get that. That's just no, my personal I, opinion. I would agree. I, I think that's a very viable opinion. I, I'm really split on diversity. Don't take this I'm against it. Um, and you need to make sure you're you're attempting to recruit students. But at the end of the day, it's up to the student to decide if they want to come to Kansas State and, and study in education. 100%. And maybe as a, uh, I mean, I'm an old white guy, so I, I don't know how a young black male or female might think, but maybe Kansas State isn't the place where you want to do that. Now, maybe that's what you're saying. We need to change mm-hmm. that image. But I would imagine that there's other institutions you might lean towards. And maybe the fact that it's an ag school might discourage. Yeah. Not to say that minorities are, wouldn't be ag-related because they are. You know, I we're in the middle of Kansas, and and when you start measuring diversity from national standards, it it isn't a full reflection. It's impossible to reflect that in the middle of Kansas, and it's. I think m- maybe the goal would to be make sure you're welcoming yes. to everyone, yes. not not go out of your way to go recruit someone specifically because of the color of their skin or their nationality or whatever, but make sure you have a friendly environment. And I go back to the study, and it's been years ago, it's a good five years ago maybe, when Kansas State was viewed as one of the most LGBTQ-friendly campuses in the country. Now, doesn't that blow up conventional thinking about Mm -hmm. an ag school? I, I mean, I thought that was one of the best advertisements to how welcoming this place, this town, this university is. I, 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 all I know is they got to fix enrollment and they got to make sure, because this is a real problem now across the nation with college degrees, that these are useful degrees. Quit getting students enrolled just to get them enrolled so you can get their money and stick them with loans. That shouldn't be your goal is just to get the student. Your goal should be to get the student a degree that will help them into the future. And maybe that's an area where K-State should put a lot of emphasis onto is placement, postgraduate placement. We're not just going to get you the degree. We're going to make sure you get a job. That, as a parent, would resonate with me. You're going to get me off my off the campus uh, in my Wichita High School to come to Manhattan, Kansas, which isn't where I'd probably want to go, but you've told me that this degree translates into the real world and you can get me a job. I'm telling you what, I'm just stunned more people don't come here for for graining and milling sciences. It is the golden degree in this country, and Kansas State should be selling that. The enrollment in that department should be three times what it is. They should be out recruiting students nationwide, and they're getting a lot of international students in that department because it's a degree that translates all over the world, creating food. I think the number one thing the next president needs to do is they need to figure out a way to portray the value that a Kansas State degree has in the real world. Right. Because I think that right now, I think about my degree. I mean, nothing against working for you, Fitz, but... This isn't what, this is not what I got my degree in, you know, and I get that a business degree is a business degree from, you know, any other, you know, schools outside of, you know, your Ivies or or wherever else. But, you know, there isn't a lot of value to a lot of these degrees. It doesn't matter what the name of the institution is, you know, you need to, K-State needs to go after specialized students for specialized degrees that have real world value. I think, I think that's the problem right now, and not just K-State. That's a lot of places around yeah. the country. The college degree does not hold the same amount of value right now as it did when you were in college, Fitz. It no. just doesn't. No. The price point does not make sense. It doesn't make sense for people to go into debt, no. you know, hundreds of, thousands of do- hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt. The value proposition that a four-year degree has in America just doesn't make sense for a lot more people. And I credit that for the, for the drop-in in enrollment more than anything for K-State. So um, every once in a while, I'll get this bug up my butt to go get a finish off a master's in journalism, just to have it. So I start researching schools, and there's a, a for-profit institution in Florida called Full Sail. And the only reason I bring this up is go look at their degrees. They have really targeted degrees to attract students and get them a functional 
job in the world, whether it's entertainment, music, or journalism, and their only journalism degree is is uh, cross platform. That's all. They, they just want to talk about everything in the new media. That's all they're worried about. Basically, their their thought is screw newspapers. And in some ways, screw local TV and all that. You're going to learn how to be a convergence journalist that does everything, which is brilliant. But every degree should be looked at. Every department head, every university's, uh, every school and college, they should take a microscope to their own. But see, this is just like any government thing. Everyone gets possessive. I got. I'm not giving up this. I have students. I, I'm, I'll have a smaller budget. They need to really look at this. Is this degree valuable? And and I would argue that making sure you have a strong education department for a land-grant institution is important. But is journalism? Maybe ag journalism, if there's such a thing anymore. Or if you're going to offer it, offer it in, you know, social media journalism. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just I'm just talking now. What really does connect to a student? And gets them here? Or is it something that they don't really need a degree in? Do you need a degree in social media management? No. The, right. pro- the problem with these new jobs, you know, I remember when I was in sixth grade and somebody came in and said, hey, two thirds of you, you are going to be doing a job that does not exist today. Exactly. When you graduate college, the problem with going to college is who's going to teach you how to do these jobs that don't exist. You've been on that from day one and you're exactly right. How? Because you put all these people that have tenure, they learn one thing, they're good at it. You take these classes from them. What have they done in the real world the last 20 years, except write a research paper for something they don't necessarily know anything about you know and that's one of the reasons that is why, the problem why nobody is going to universities you know i i look at getting a master's degree which in the end would be to teach i mean that's why you get it and at age 57 in a couple of weeks i feel like i'm way ahead of my colleagues in understanding new media yeah for sure and yet i'm not and yet when it comes to social media and things like that, I'm still lagging behind just because, I mean, it's a generational thing. It is. And it always will be, but Zach's exactly right. What you end up with so many academic people is, well, I did it in the real world and now I'm teaching and I've taught for the last 20 years. Oh, so you have no freaking clue what's going on in the real world for the last 20 years. I mean, if I had left the journalism business 20 years ago to get into teaching, okay, about the time, a little bit, just roll it back to 22 years ago when, when I started up, my wife and I started up this company. I know so much more about journalism now than I did then that I wouldn't know. And I'd be in a classroom teaching people. It's a real problem. So, uh, and honestly, with what K-State pays and the academic reputation of the school, are you really going to get the best and brightest to come teach the students here? (laughs) It's just reality. It's a real challenge. And boy, we've gone along on this. Yeah, I'm pivoting and I'm going to a different question um, since we're talking about kind of enrollment here uh, from court cat 44 if enrollment continues to decline with a new president will that have a negative effect on athletes uh, athletics oh athletics not yes. athletes it, it'll have a negative effect on everything yeah and everything well you know it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be bad in sports i mean you look at the model of a kansas wesleyan sports are the institution you know it, it, that that recruitment of students is so important. You could almost make an argument that if your enrollment's sliding, you should add some more sports mm-hmm. and uh, bring more kids in. But it's uh, it'll just destroy the town is my bigger concern. Well, not so much about athletics, but right now in this town, trying to find students that are willing and able to work, it's difficult. I mean, businesses are scrambling. We're gonna, I bet you we're going to have businesses closed because they just can't find help. Just can't find it. A lot of that has well, to do with the pandemic, too. Yeah. And kids not – I mean, that's another thing that we didn't really talk about in that last section. But, I mean, 
education is changing. I mean, hybrid online learning is going to be around for years yeah. to come. Why would some kids say, oh, well, I can save all this money, still get a college degree from K-State, but I can do it on my couch in Leavenworth where I live? Well, to put that into context, in my researching of getting a master's degree, University of Missouri is one of the preeminent journalism schools in the country. Now, there's better ones, but for this region, Missouri. Yes. I mean, a master's from Missouri is worth a lot of money, particularly on the television side. We're, we're seeing that with people we know. Um, it's cheaper for me to get an online master's degree from the University of Missouri than to go to Kansas State and get a master's degree. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. That's stupid. You That's live in Kansas. I can save a couple thousand dollars getting my master's degree online from Missouri than walking up to campus like I'd walk, going to campus right here in town and getting a degree. And getting a lesser degree, like you mentioned. Amen. It's crazy. You've got to balance the academics with the basic premise that this has to be viewed as a business. And academic people go crazy when you say that. I'm sorry. The real world is calling. And you are about to lose your job because institutions, academic institutions, are going to collapse at any moment because people are done paying these tuition fees. The tuition's too high. Anyhow, next question. Let's move on. CourtCat44 asks again, how much correlation, if any, is there between the overall health of the university, enrollment, and academic success, and successful athletic programs? Oh, there is. Uh, John Weefold always said it the best. You know, you can build a, a a beautiful house, but you better have a front porch that's inviting. And that's really what ac- athletics is. It's your front porch. It's not a part of your structure. It's not, it's not an important part of the academic mission of your institution, but it gets people in the door. You, you can just look around any lesser institution in the view, in the eyes of athletics, a George Mason, a Wichita State that makes a Final Four run. Oh, it's gold. Gold. The greatest advertising you can ever get is your athletic programs being successful. Kansas State has to get back to that. They just have to get back to that. Pete Hughes just, again, he mentioned it. We've got to get more street cred. Well, that's true of all athletics. Someone posted that stat about the since the realignment, the 10-team Big 12 Conference. If you ask someone around the country, name the top four teams and football winning percentage since the Big 12 went to 10 schools, they would probably get Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas. I bet you almost no one would pick Kansas State to be that fourth school. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the solution is to that. I mean, they would pick Tech. They'd pick Baylor. You know, they, TCU, TCU, or, yeah, TCU is the yeah. hot one. Oh, TCU is going to be so good. How how all of a sudden did TCU become the school that everyone every year is so damn bullish on? It's like the Chargers in right. the NFL. It's crazy, and and I just that's not a small window. That's a ten year window now, isn't it? Roughly since the realignment. Mm-hmm. That's look yeah, nearly. I mean, that's something to be proud of. But nobody knows about it. Well, Bill Snyder did the same thing with, you know, enrollment at K-State. I mean, how many times have we heard the story that without Bill Snyder, K-State is relegated to Division II status in yeah. all the other sports? I mean, they start winning, kids start coming to K-State. And so, uh, yeah, I think if your athletic programs are successful, then your university will be more you want, successful. It's a good recruiting tool. And yeah. you know what K-State needs more of? They need more recruiters like Taylor Bratt. Oh, I agree. But, I, but for students, I totally agree. They, they need. They got to get back to having more they and more need people in charisma in in their recruiting department. Right. They need more. They probably, if there's any staff, uh, any department or anything on the on the academic level, it's the recruiting staff that should be doubled. That's the only place okay. where I could see more money, where more money should be spent because you're trying to make more money. They're salespeople. Mm-hmm. Get more salespeople. I, I agree. I. I know this. The best advertisement Kansas State can have um, in the world is beating Oklahoma in football or beating Kansas in basketball, and the camera turns to that student section. Because as a as a kid that's maybe a junior in high school, a sophomore in high school, I want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. I want that. That's what my college experience. I'm gonna go have some fun. I'm gonna get a degree. 
At the end of the day, we're Kansas State, folks. You need to sell more than just the degree. Coming to Manhattan should be fun. Coming to K-State should be fun. And yeah, you're going to get a degree, and we're going to make sure it's a degree that's going to help you in the real world. That seems like a pretty focused approach if you can drag the academic side along with it. There's a lot of people in academics who just, I've got a job, and as long as I have 15 students in my curriculum every year, I'm going to get paid $100,000 a year. I, I can't connect to this. And what, what, what do they do with their degree? They can go teach. Okay, that's fantastic. I mean, not high school teach, like college teach. Mm-hmm. Some advanced literature or something. You know, come on, man. I don't know. Boy, the academic people are going to hate me. <laughs> Next question comes from Emildcat82. There's two. There's not two W's. It's Emildcat. Just one, one, one w. w. That's how he wanted it. That's e- how he did it. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. Well, I've dealt with it the whole time. It's not a big deal. Email. Well, it's, it's, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's okay. Okay. I'm over it. He asks, who are the members of the Board of Regents? No. Do their backgrounds yield K-State-friendly results, or do they have Jayhawk tendencies? Pickles uh, actually did a decent recap in the thread, and he said that I think there's, what, three people with K-State degrees, and I think that the, the president of the board or whoever the top of the board is, I think has three degrees himself or herself from K-State, so... I think he said it was about of as favorable for K-State as a board you could probably ask for in the state of Kansas. So I am not on it, which I think is good for everyone. I will trust Pickle's word for my opinion on this take after reading his response in the questions thread. And I'll defer to Fitz, who is looking at the list on his computer. It's not going to do me any good because I don't know any of these people. He doesn't know any of these people. Uh, Are they all from Kansas? Is that a stupid question? Yeah, they have to be. I'm pretty sure they have to be. Uh, I believe they're at least living in Kansas since yeah. they're on the Kansas Board of Regents. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do think it's important to see like where they are located throughout the state too. I mean, that is an important something to keep in mind, right? I mean, how many of these people are actually sure they might have been graduating from K State in whenever they did, but how many of them have been to Manhattan and have actually seen what the university needs? Not saying that they're not going to know and not going to do their due diligence in making a hire, but, I mean, there's something to be said for actually trying to get a feel of the actual university I mean, I'm itself. certain that all of these people on the board go to each institution multiple times a year. I don't have any concerns with, with their knowledge of the system no, you know, of, of the universities. I do have... Potential concerns of who they may want to hire and who they want as president for the university. At the end of the day, if you're on the Board of Regents, your one concern should be quality education of students. I mean, if you're getting caught up in, you know, whatever loyalties to Pittsburgh State or Kansas or K-State, get out of here with that. I mean, this is a state thing. I I hope they do a good job. I hope they understand what K-State needs and uh, they... They've just punted this down the road. Yeah. Richard Myers, bless his heart, I think stayed two, if not three years longer than he wanted to. I mean, five years, and I think he thought he was going to be here two or three years just to be a transition to the next person, which isn't typically how you do it, but that's how the board wanted to do it. This situation is all at the board of regents' feet. So more important here really is the search committee. You know, I don't know who they're going to pick for the search committee, but that search committee better do a good job and – and be creative with it. You know, be brave enough to, to look at some people. At least consider them. So when you're hired, Fitz, Adam K. 63 wants to know, as university president, what is the biggest promise Tim Fitzgerald would keep? Uh, the monorail. Would make, would make or keep? What promises are you making and which <laughs> one are you keeping? Well, I've, I've, my platform's pretty clear. We're going to have distilling and, and brewing sciences. Mm-hmm. We're also going to have corn dog Fridays. Everyone on campus gets corn dogs on Friday. I'll politely decline. But okay, because you're a weirdo. We don't want you at Kansas State. <laughs> okay, I'll go back to Oklahoma State. There you go. Okay, Are you like making them me. in Bosco Plaza? Um, we can make them wherever they want. Bosco Plaza would be ideal. Uh, we are going to also have a monorail that leads from every academic building into Aggieville. Let's just tie the two together <laughs> with a monorail. Oh, you're done with the day? Okay, get on the monorail. Can we go to the Magic Kingdom on this monorail? I don't. I think Aggieville is the Magic Kingdom. Where's Epcot then? Is Epcot? It's downtown. <laughs> it's the. Uh, I feel like Epcot would be like experimental prototype community of tomorrow. 
That's that is that is that you are correct. Yes, that is what Epcot stands That's for. Downtown. I feel like it should be some like green sciences building on the north side of campus that takes a while to get to, but also has beer in different countries. I know that's the best part. It's <laughs> the best part. I, I really hope that they find someone who can. It's such a weird thing to be university president. Got to make the academic people happy. Got to keep the athletic people happy. Got to keep the the enrollment going. You got to be dynamic and yet able to go in and talk, you know, academics. It's it's a strange thing. Hope they find the right person. It's a big hire. The school's floundering. It's not where it was before John Weefald came in, but we're five years from it. They make a bad hire here. K-State's in big trouble. Big trouble. And honestly, at the end of the day, to wrap this all up, the best thing Kansas State can do is win a lot of effing games. <laughs> Seriously, for all we want to talk about this and that, if K-State football gets back to contending for Big 12 titles and basketball is consistently good and contending for titles and K-State is playing in national football games on national TV on a consistent basis and winning, enrollment will go up. So what I'm saying here, no pressure, Chris Kleiman. It's all on you, man. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.